So um, those emotions that you feel, those things that you feel, Solomon said, there's a time for all that. There is a time for your happiness. There's a time for your joy. There's a time for sadness. There's a time for anger. There's a time for vengeance. There's a time for all that. So there's times and there's seasons for all things in life. And as we go through life, we start to understand that a little bit more, that everything's just temporary here. Everything that we do is temporary. Nothing lasts forever. We are finite human beings, and our emotions are finite. And they're going to continue to be that way. But I want you to focus on those emotions that you felt when you first gave your life to Jesus. And if you haven't ever, maybe you could focus on what it felt like to begin a new relationship. Because this, the feelings, I think, are a little bit similar. Because that new relationship feeling is very similar to that I just gave my life to Jesus. And I'm excited to get to know him and understand him and understand how he's working and his word and understand and listen to the, you know, all the different stuff. It's very similar. So if you haven't ever given your life to Jesus, focus on that feeling. Focus on that emotion for just a moment. But I want you to focus on that. And would you, would you care to share? What, was the, what, would you, what did you feel when you first gave your life to God? Kids are ornery. <laughs> they didn't learn it from me because I didn't teach them. 
respect people and they respect their elders. But all I have to say is I know that I'm, I'm saved by grace. The filling is unreal. And you cannot compare it to anything that's on this earth. And just being loved by Him, that's all I need. Amen. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. That's all we need right there. That's, mm-hmm. that's all we need. That's, it's just amazing. What you, your body and your heart cannot contain Him. Mm-hmm. So whatever He asks you to do, it's just... And coming back to this, I mean, it was different for me. To come, when I came first started coming again, mm-hmm. it was different. It was totally different. Like you said, you see different people grow to love, and you don't see them every day, mm-hmm. or every Sunday, so it is different. Mm-hmm. It's not that you don't love them, or love the church, or, or love God, it's just where God takes you, and where He puts you. You've got to learn to, to, to be with Him, yep. and be God by Him. That's a different type of experience, love, grace. You can't, you can't explain it. Right. The love of God is just is up on me, and I don't have much, can't give much, but I can give my time, I can help people, mm-hmm. and if that's all he wants me to do, then I'm willing to do it. Amen. I just love him, and he just, he's blessed me through the years, even when I wasn't in church, I wasn't really raised in church, and went to Bible school and stuff like that, my uncle would put me in church here and there. Mm-hmm. But being based and being uh, on the rock with him, I guess being rooted and grounded in the word of God, there, there, you just can't explain it. Amen. His love and grace is just great. Amen. 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 <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's the kind of feeling that I was hoping that people would begin to understand is that emotion. You can't really, you can't really put it in the words. My, my father was a, a man that of many, a few words, and uh, he wouldn't say a ton about emotions or anything like that. But I asked him one day after he had went to the altar, because that's what we did. We would come to the altar and pray. And uh, I asked him after, he went to the altar, and I said, Dad, how you feel? And he said, Son, I feel like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders. He said, I feel like just something. He said, I feel like somebody came behind me and picked something up, and I feel light. I feel loose. I feel good. And I was like, oh, interesting. So as a kid, that had a huge impact on me. And, that, and I even kind of expected that feeling whenever I became a Christian, and it was kind of interesting. Betty, would you, would you care to share just a second what that emotion felt like for you whenever you became a Christian for the first time? Mm-hmm. And he said, you should, you should take a new turn. And my heart just raised, you know, it was just raising. And I said, this, this is not for me. 
always at this time of bringing down hmm. the debt. I just felt, you know, and I didn't really know how to pray or anything, but I had five kids in the house, and they just kept touching me, you know, and my kids were touching me. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just so awful, you know, it's been like 20, 40 years that I've been serving God. And thank, you know, what he gives me, it's still not easy, but I know how to take care of the devil and help a people in here mm-hmm. and after the church. And just, even though we don't even, you know, say nothing, but we flow as we sit and listen and help people. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Good. Mm. Amen. Thank you, Betty. Thank you. Very good. A weight had been lifted. A burden had been lifted. I like the, the authority that come with that and the authority that I can speak to the things that are bringing me down and speak to those in the name of Jesus and uh, they no longer have power over me. That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. Um, I'm going to get one more and it's going to be from one of my favorite people. And uh, Isabella, um, yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth's like, oh, don't do that. But anyway, just, just yeah, just briefly, just whatever. I just want to hear what your emotions were because you're younger. You're younger. She's our student leader here at the bridge. She's an amazing kid. I'm sure you guys all well know her. Um, 
God has a, a beautiful calling on her life, and I'm excited to see what it is and what she does. But um, I want to hear from you as well. I want to hear from from you. Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> Naturally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very good. Beautiful. Beautiful. And that's amazing. And Elizabeth, you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. You have two awesome kids that are just amazing. So you're whatever you're doing, you're write a book because it's working per perfectly. So um, anyway, we'll, we'll move on. I just wanted you guys to hear some, some people say some things about their emotion when they first became Christian. And because it's a special thing. And that moment in your kitchen, I believe, I believe you were saved then. You didn't know anything much, but you knew that you loved God and that you wanted him, and you went after him. And that, that's a beautiful moment, and, and uh, that's, that's awesome. I appreciate you guys sharing. I appreciate everyone's uh, listening and, and, and doing all that. Um, but uh, I do want to focus on those feelings and those emotions. Just kind of hold on to them as long as you can, because if scientists are correct, and they've done a lot of studies, um, it's been proven that emotions last in the body, the physiological toll that they take on your body, last for about 90 seconds. So that extreme anger that you're feeling when removed from the situation dissipates within 90 seconds. That extreme joy that you feel when you're removed from a situation dissipates within 90 seconds. That sadness, the sorrow, the frustration, the whatever it may be, what emotion you may be feeling, there's so many, they dissipate within 90 seconds once you're removed. That joy of salvation is a true thing. It's a real thing, and it happens. And if you've ever experienced the joy of salvation, you know what it felt like, but it's a fleeting emotion. It's a fleeting thing. 
And I'm going to take you to, if you have a Bible, if you have some kind of a, some type of Bible or whatever, phone app or whatever, I would like you to turn to Psalms 51. <coughs> and we're going to just focus on a couple of verses here really quickly. Um, I'm reading out of the English Standard Version, which is what I typically read out of. Um, I don't know why, I just like it. This is what I read out of. I think... Uh, uh, youth group, we typically read out of NLT, New Living, which is really good as well. There's a lot of different really good versions, and they're all good. But not all of them are good. A lot of the ones that we use here are good. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but anyway, um, so this is Psalm 51, and this is a Psalm of David. And if anybody knows David, this is Solomon's father. And if anybody knows David, you probably know the story of him with Bathsheba, the whole ordeal, um, and the whole the sin that followed after. So this is right after this had happened. So David is writing this psalm. He's writing this song back to God. And he's saying, and this is verse 1, he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. So he knows he's done something wrong and there's a sin there. And he goes through all these script, all these verses, all the way down to verse 12. And he says something in verse 12 that really caught my eye, and is something that has caught my eye for a long time. But he says in verse 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with an upwilling spirit. That right there tells me that the joy of salvation doesn't last forever. That initial emotion that you feel does not last forever. And it's something that fades. It may last a little longer than that initial 90 seconds because you are feeding it. It's like any fire that you throw a log on is going to continue to keep burning. It'll keep burning, burning, burning. But if you stop putting wood on it, what's it do? It eventually goes out. We had a fire last night. I kept throwing wood on. It kept going. Once I stopped, it turned into coals this morning. The rain came. It's out. I didn't keep it going. It's the same way with your emotion of joy of salvation. That feeling that you get dissipates quickly if you're not feeding that fire, if you're not doing something to continue in that. And even still, sometimes people go too far. Sometimes they go too hard. Sometimes they go all out, and they just, I'll do this, 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 this. They get burnt out, boom, done. And that happens. So there's, a, there's too much. <laughs> it's a consuming kind of a thing. So where, what does that mean? How do you balance that out? What does that look like? How do I get that joy of my salvation and have that continuously stirring within me to a point to where I feel happy to be a Christian? I see a lot of people, including myself, and I'm not happy to be a Christian. I get angry, and Shannon got to see this. We had a really awesome conversation at our house, at our dinner table, Shannon and I sitting there talking, talking about the fruits of the Spirit, and I told him about something that my old pastor, Pastor Wilma, taught me, and she said that if you see a man, and he's out fishing, and he goes to cast, and he's a Christian, and he goes to cast his pole out into the thing, and he gets caught up in a tree, and he starts throwing that pole around and yanking it and yelling and screaming and getting mad. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is the fruit of the Spirit. 
And I'm, as I'm telling Shannon this, I'm teaching him this, kind of, he probably already knew this, but I'm reiterating this to him as we're having this conversation. I'm telling him all this. We go outside. My dog is wrapped up around. Uh, uh, <laughs> she's completely tangled up. I'm trying to get her untangled, and she keeps, she's so strong, this dog. She's a great Pyrenees, all right, and she just does what she wants, okay? So, but anyway, I'm trying to get her to go this way. She's going that way, and I just lose my temper really quickly. I'm like, come on, you know, and I'm trying to get her, and I'm like, I was like, see, Shan, this is exactly what I'm talking about. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I didn't have self-control in that. I didn't have patience there. There's a lot of things that I did not possess in that moment. And I feel like we're all kind of like that because the sinful nature is still here. It's still bubbling up. It's still in there trying to get out. And there's something um, in us that just is unsettled. And that joy is no longer there. That remembrance of that feeling of becoming a Christian and giving your life to Jesus doesn't abide daily. David is a man after God's own heart. And we learn that back in Psalm 41, or no, Samuel, First Samuel, we learn that that he's a prince that is after a man after God's own heart, and he ends up being the king that he talks about and he's prophesying about. And so David is a man after God's own heart, and even he needs a restoration of joy of his salvation. So if he needs that, how much more do you think we probably need that? No emotion lasts forever. We have to do the things that God calls us to do to keep that joy and ask, be willing to ask. Like you said, sometimes we don't want to ask. Sometimes we're like, man, I've been asking all, all this other stuff. I got, you know, I got all these other things going on. I want to pray for that first. I don't want to pray for my own joy. Man, when you wake up in the morning, hit it. God, restore to me today the joy of my salvation. Remind me why I became a Christian and remind me what that felt like when I first gave my life to you and how excited I was and how happy I was and that burden being lifted and the power that I had over the authority of sadness and depression and the things in my life that are causing me to stumble. I have authority over those in Jesus' name. Remind me, restore that joy to me. Say that every morning to yourself. Preach that to yourself. I have daily affirmations that I write, that I've written to myself. And I say these to myself all the time. And there's about eight of them. And I say these. These are above my, it's, uh, this one's in my Bible. I have one that's over top my visor in my truck. And it just, this is the person I want to be. And this is the per. this is what I speak to myself. This is what I preach to myself every day. Do that. Restore your joy. Do the things that you need to do to make sure that God is still pre like prevalent and um, relevant in your life. Okay? My second point is first works. Back in Revelation... Um, if you've ever spent any time in Revelation, it's funny because Corey Swearingen was just telling me just a second ago or right before service started, he said, man, I think more people ought to read Revelation more often. And I agree. There's a lot of good things in there. And I was like, hey, that's kind of funny because there's a verse that I want to focus on just for a second in Revelation today. 
And in Revelation 2, chapter 2, verse 5, it says, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works you did. Repent and do your first works over. Anybody ever heard that in church before? Repent, do your first works? What did your first works look like when you became a Christian? What were those first works like? You know, was you one of those people that read the Bible religiously? Like you just, you just wanted to read everything, you wanted to take it all in? What did that look like for you? Like when you first became a Christian, did you, did you just listen to worship music all the time? You're pumped up, you're dancing around, you're listening to, you know, all these different songs and you're just really on fire? Is that what you did when you first became a Christian? Well, do it again. Do it again. Go back. Do those first works over again. Remind yourself what it is to be a Christian. Remind yourself of that joy. Was you a person that, um, you know, you went to church as much as you could when you first got saved? You didn't miss. It was a priority. You told yourself, hey, I don't care what's coming up. I'm making church a priority. I'm going to be at church first, and then we can do everything else after that, no matter what it is. Church is first. God's first. Was that you? Was that what you did? Do it again. Restore. Do those first works over again. Was you a person that prayed all the time when you first got saved? Just praying, God, am I doing the right thing? Did I mess up right there? Did I sin again? What happened? Can you teach me this? Can you do this? Can you help me here? Can you... Whatever. Was you one of those? Is that your first works? Do it again. Do it again. Did you get baptized? Are you someone who went out, you got baptized, you did all that? Do it again. Just recently, Pastor Ben got baptized. He's been a pastor for years. I know over, what, over 15 years, I know. I think he was here for 10, and then I came, and I've been here for 10, so it's over 20 years now probably he's been here. I'm not not here, but a pastor. And that's amazing. But he just got baptized again. Albie recently got baptized again. Why? Because that's one of those restoring things that you can do as a Christian to restore that joy, restore what it means to be saved and have salvation and that beauty and that feeling that you felt when you first got saved, that can be restored to you if you redo your first works. If you go back to those first things that you went to when you first started. I encourage you to do those things again. If you've done them, do them again. It's, it's okay. And you're not going to be looked at as some type of um, crazy person or some sinful human, even though we all are sinful humans. But it seems like sometimes when you think someone's been a Christian for a long time and you see them get baptized again, you go, hang on a second. (laughs) I wonder what they did. I don't know. You know, but, uh, you know, it's kind of weird. You know, I don't know. I'm sure someone seen Pastor Ben get baptized and was like, hang on, he's our pastor. What's, go- what's happening? You know, he's been leading me for years. What's going on? Well, it's time to redo it. It's time to re-up. It's time to get that joy back, that feeling that you had. It's time to get that back, and it's okay. It's okay to redo those first works. It's actually encouraged, and it's actually told to us um, in the Revelations that that's what we ought to do. Repent. Do those first works again. Go back to reading your Bible daily. Go back to praying every day. Go back to worshiping often. Go back to getting into church, making church a priority. Why is it so important to make church a priority? Why? 
Is, is this where you come? Is this where salvation is? Is this where God is? is God, I mean, he's here, but is he also out in your truck when you're driving down the interstate? Is he here? Is he also in your yard when you're mowing your grass? Is he here? Is he in your bedroom? Is he at your work in your office or, or when you're on the work site working? Where is he at? He's everywhere. But why is it important to come to a church building and gather together? Why? Because we are stronger together. We are stronger together. How many people in here have uh, went through something hard in your life? By a raise of hands. Yeah, yeah. Most people have gone through something tough. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. Things are hard. Things get rough. Life gets hard. Life gets really tough. It's just how it goes. When you're alone, what's that feel like when you're going through something terrible? When you're alone. Ugh. I mean, you're alone and then take it down a notch. You feel like scum of the earth. You feel like nothing ever is ever going to get good or ever going to be good again. That's what you feel like when you're alone and you're going through things on your own. But the Bible teaches us not to fail to assemble together. Fail not to assemble together. Come together. Because when you're going through that tough thing in life, you got a, a support system right here. Look around you. Everybody here is a support system to you. You can go to any person in this building and say, man, I just really need to have a talk. I'm really going through something. It's important to be here. It's important to have people. I love that Chris can come to me and I can go to Chris when I'm having trouble. I love that. We have that kind of relationship. I can do the same thing with David. I can do the same thing with Shannon. I have a lot of people in this room that I can go to whenever I feel like I need to talk to someone or they feel like they need to talk to me. That's awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm not alone. I have friends. I have people that love me. And I have people that want to be here with me when I'm going through tough times. If you're one of those people that made church a priority, do it again. Do it again. Say, nothing else comes first. God, you come first. I know that life gets busy. I know that I have to work. I know I have a lot of things going, but God, you're first. And allow everything else to come after that. When, whenever Albie and I took over as youth pastors here, it's almost, I was just telling Betty, it's almost been, I think January would be 10 years, right, Albie? That's insane. 10 years? Ugh. Ugh. Bill with Isabella for that? Yeah. <laughs> come on. Sorry, I'm just kidding. Um, but anyway, it's been a long time, you know. There's a lot of, a lot of things happen in a 10-year period. And it's been really great. It's been awesome. And we've been blessed to be here. And I've got to know a lot of really good people. And I've got to witness and preach to a lot of amazing people. And I've got to see people come to Jesus that you would never probably would think would come to Jesus. And I've got to experience God in a way that that you probably wouldn't imagine that God's ex you'd be able to experience God in a such a way. And I've got to go through really tough times with people that love me. I got to do that, Betty. That was something I, it was a privilege. I get to do that. I get to go through tough times with people that love me. And I get the opportunity to struggle, and I get the opportunity to walk in here not feeling like coming to church that morning, and I get that opportunity to come in here and then see a smiling face and someone making coffee and, and play some drums. You know, I've been playing for 10 years. I haven't improved one bit. <laughs> what? what? What is going on? Uh, but I get that opportunity. 
to share in that with people and to, to experience that and to have that, uh, that emotion that comes behind it, even though it's fleeting. And when I walk out the door, the world hits me again. I can still pray to God and I can still ask God to be with me. I can still read my Bible and hear him speak to me. You say, God doesn't speak to me. Yes, he does. It's right here. He speaks to you. He's got all kinds of stuff written right here. And it applies to your life. I can't tell you how many times I've opened the Bible and said, what do you want me to do, God? And I'll just, uh, do you ever do that? What do you want me to do? And I turn. That's how I knew I was supposed to be a pastor. Um, I asked my mom, I said, what do you think I should do with my life? She said, I don't know, go read the Bible and see. Best advice I ever had. I said, okay, I'll try it. I went, I said, God, what do you want me to do? I flipped it open, and it said, feed my sheep. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I guess I'm supposed to be a shepherd or something. I didn't know, I was a kid. I had no <laughs> idea what that meant. I asked my mom, I said, do you, does he, do you want me to get sheep? She said, no, he means, <laughs> she said, hang on, let me tell you what this means. And she taught me what that meant. And I understood then. I was like, oh, okay, so I'm supposed to be a pastor? And she said, yeah, probably. And I said, I doubt it. <laughs> you know, and then I go on living my life. But sure enough, that's what happened, Betty. That's what happened. And I got to do that. And that joy, that feeling of understanding that God has written things down for me, it spoke, he speaks to me here. He speaks to you there as well. So the last point that I have for you is that we ought to make disciples. Pastor Ben started talking about discipleship last Sunday, and it's something that is very near and dear to me. And it's something that the church has been commissioned to do. We are to make disciples, yeah? That's what we're supposed to do. But what does that look like? What does that mean? And how do you do it? And especially, how do you do it if you don't have joy of salvation? I don't want nothing you got if you're walking through life like this. I don't want nothing you got, okay, if you ain't even excited to talk about it. I don't want it. If you ain't excited enough to tell me about it, why would I want it? I was listening to a podcast that said there was a guy, he's a, he was the uh, beginner, uh, the founder of the Ritz-Carlton and the Capella Group, these two largest hotels in all the world. And he created these things, and he said, people come here because we have something to offer them. He said, why do you think your churches are empty? You don't have anything to offer them. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, we have Jesus to offer them. He said, you have Jesus, but they don't see that in you. <laughs> they hear the pastor talk about Jesus. They don't see that in you. Why you trying to go out into the world, try to sell something to someone, and you're like, well, you could buy that, but, you know, it's not very good. Uh, tell me about it. Well, I drive it about once a week, <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, it's all right, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, why would they want to buy something from you, or why would they want to follow someone that doesn't have anything to offer? God has a, a, a power to give you things that you could never imagine. You heard uh, Travis speak about just a second ago, emotions that you can't ex describe, a, a power and authority that, that you get over these different things, and a joy and a peace and a love that you feel and experience. And there's a lot that we have to offer that God has to offer, and his people aren't discipling. 
What does it mean to be a disciple? It means to be a follower. It means to be a Christian, a learner, someone that's learning of Christ, loving him. We are to be disciples of Christ, following him in his footsteps. But nobody wants to follow if you've got nothing to show them. I want that joy of my salvation once again. You know, you'd say, Pastor Dusty, you're a pastor on Sunday, but through the week, what do you do? Well, I'm a, I work at the counseling center, you know. If you have me on Facebook, I'm sure you know that by now because basically all I do now is post about the counseling center. But how often am I posting about church? How often do I put a scripture on there and say something great about God? I'm trying to recruit people to come work for the counseling center, and while I'm doing that, I'm telling them about all these awesome things, these benefits, the, the pay, the, the, the work-life balance, because that's what everybody wants nowadays. They want that work-life balance. I want to work, but also I want to go to the beach. You know, That's what they want. They want that. I'm trying to pitch that to these people. I'm trying to tell them, hey, we can offer you better rates. We can give you vacation. We can give you all this. I can give you everything that you need. Just message me. That's awesome. And I'm pretty good at my job. Why don't I do the same thing for Jesus? I don't have a good answer for that, other than the fact that I have not been experiencing that joy of my salvation. I have not been placing God first like I first did. When I see my memories from 2013, when I first began pastoring here, Almost every memory is a scripture, a verse, something, and I, sometimes I blush because I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I said that. You know what that feels like when you look through your memories and you see that. But all of it's about God. That joy, that feeling, that emotion has dissipated. God, restore to me the joy of my salvation so that when I come into contact with people, I can tell them about the wondrous benefits that you offer, and I can give them a hope that they'll never have unless I say something. May we all have that. May we all get that joy, that salvation that God can bring, that peace, that amazing feeling. May we all have it once again. I love you guys, and I've, like I said, I've been here for a long time, and I'm just trying to do what God wants me to do, and if I'm being completely honest, there's days when I don't know what that is. But I know that as long as I continue to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, for as long as I'm doing this, for as long as I become a Christian and stay a Christian, I need the joy of my salvation. I need that back. And so if that means I have to go listen to 104.9 on Sundays, I'm going to do it. If that means I have to go back and re-listen to all Pastor Wilma's devotions that she posts all the time, this woman's insane. I can't believe it. She just does it every single day. I don't get it. But I hold her very highly in my life. She was one of the first people that spoke to me and said, if you want to be a pastor, we got to wait for a calling. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know that. In that very same service, someone stood up and said, hey, I feel like he's supposed to be working with the youth. Oh, okay. Well, here we go. You know, and the journey begins. I hold her very high regard. She's a, she's a spiritual mentor of mine. Pastor Ben, 
a spiritual mentor of mine, a father, much like uh, Paul was to Timothy. <coughs> I think of him as a father figure. My father passed away in 2011, and Ben's been there with me ever since. And he's been good to me, and he's given me advice, and he's taught me word, and he's taught me scripture, he's taught me things that have really improved my life. And there's things that I can never repay him for, ever. He's done things for me that you, you just wouldn't believe. So I hold him in high regard. So does that mean for to, to restore that joy of my salvation? Do I go back and listen to Pastor Ben's sermons? You, you better believe it. I've been doing it. I'm going to continue to do it because I want that feeling again. I want that emotion back. And I know that it's going to fleet because it only lasts for 90 seconds, but I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going to keep going back to my first works. I'm going to keep doing that until I just can't get enough. And we're supposed to have youth group at the pool today at the Sylvie's house. And I plan to have Isabella baptize me today because I want that feeling again and I want that emotion again and I want to experience that again. But if it storms, obviously we'll have to postpone. But it's going to happen. It's going to happen soon. And if you're one of those people that are thinking, you know what, I want to come too. Isabella will be happy to duck you. And the Silvies would be happy to have you. You're invited. It's at 6 o'clock tonight at the Silvies house. Show up. It'll be good. If you guys will stand with me. You know, the lyrics to that song, I surrender all. It's beautiful. It says, all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him. And in his presence I'll daily live. <laughs> you want to restore your joy? Live in his presence every day. Get in God's presence every single day. Verse 2, all to Jesus I surrender, humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus, take me now. That discrepancy that I was telling you about earlier and, and the lyrics that are written today and the lyrics that were written back then, you know, there was such a joy when people would think about getting to go home to God, get to go to heaven. They would glorify that every service. It was an exciting time to hear, oh, I can't wait to get to heaven. can't wait to get to see Jesus. That was beautiful. It scared me to death as a kid. But I was thinking, why don't a lot of places do that anymore? When you hear a lot of the people talking about joy, they don't talk about the joy of getting to heaven. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that'll be. You don't hear that a whole lot. Verse 3, all to Jesus I surrender. Make me Savior, wholly thine. Let me feel your Holy Spirit to truly know that you're mine. So I'm going to pray for you really quickly. Father, in this moment, I pray, God, that you would help each person in this room begin to feel your Spirit. God, let them know that you are wholly thine, that you are theirs that you can be there for them at a moment's notice, that all they need to do is begin to just say, 
God, here I am, and I am wholly yours. God, I pray that you would help us restore joy in our hearts and our minds. God, that, that joy that we felt when we first became a Christian. God, how awesome that was. And everybody in here talks about it, and they hear about it, and, they, and, the, and you hear these people say things like, God, the burden was lifted, and, and I had authority over these things, and, and it was a peaceful feeling, and, and this felt like something was lifted off my shoulders. God, restore that joy. Restore that feeling, that emotion to the folks in this room, God, who have been a Christian for a while, but God, they've forgotten what it felt like. God, they've moved past it. That feeling has dissipated. God, help them restore that in their life. Let them want that. Let them desire that feeling again. And God, for the people in this room right now who have never given their life to Jesus or they are living in sin at this moment, God, I pray that you would have them do what it says in Revelations 2, 5, that it says, God, repent and do your first works over. Father, in this room, there are people that need to repent and need to begin those first steps over again. God, there's people in this room who may not need to repent, but they need to redo those first steps to feel that joy of salvation once again. So God, I thank you for these people. I thank you for their lives. I thank you for everything that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to just offer you guys just a moment because when I was a kid, we would come up here and pray. <laughs> and uh, there was, God's not here, um, but, you know, it says, humbly at your feet I bow. So, if you want to metaphorically come and bow at the feet of Jesus and pray, I really want to encourage you to do that. You know, there's a power in prayer, and there's a power in surrender. And he said, I surrender all. A feeling that says, I'm just going to go. Betty said there was a feeling, a drawing, something pulling me, tugging me, and I just had to go. Like, I had to go up front, so I took someone by the hand, I took them with me. If you're afraid, bring somebody with you. So I want to open up the altar just for a moment and just have you, if you want to come and pray, if maybe you're um, wanting that joy of salvation again, I'd love to pray over you, pray with you individually. Um, there are people here also that will pray for you, um, but I just want to invite you. If you want to come and pray, now's the time. God's saying, I will restore your joy. I will restore that feeling of salvation to you. I will give you the joy of your salvation again. All you have to do is do those first works over again. All you have to do is repent and begin again. That's a beautiful thing. To say, all I have to do, God, is all I have to do is come up and say, here I am, I surrender to you, I give you everything I got, that's all I have to do, and then you're mine? Yes, that's it. That's that simple. God's saying, come. Come. Continue to pray. If you want to, you can come up front. You don't have to, but if you come up, I'll pray for you.